TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So yesterday afternoon, we broke a big story on the website. Uh, Diddy has been sued by a man who worked for him, claiming that Diddy had repeatedly sexually assaulted him. That is just the beginning of a lawsuit filled with salacious details. Charles, before we even get into it, mm -hmm. we should say there are red flags on this lawsuit that something isn't right. Right, uh, but well, first let's start with what Rodney is alleging in the suit, which is that, as you said, not only did he uh, repeatedly sexually harassed and assaulted him, but that there were associates around Diddy who were also involved in this. He names in the lawsuit, they are defendants in the lawsuit, uh, Stevie J, longtime producer for Bad Boy and obviously very famous from Love and Hip Hop. His son. Uh, and then also Justin uh, Combs, Diddy's son, uh, he alleges that uh, that he was involved in bringing in human trafficking, essentially, he says, uh, and that some of the people that he was bringing for these sex parties were underage. But as for Rodney, what he is alleging, among so many other things, some of which we, we're not going to talk about on television, but he is alleging groping, uh, fondling, grooming, yeah. um, and, and, you know, he goes on and on about going to a party where he says he was drugged and allegedly raped, um, or at least that's the insinuation from the lawsuit for right. sure. And it goes on and on and on. But he says he has receipts in this lawsuit, and one of the receipts is an image, again, we're not gonna show you this, but it's an image of a sexual act. Right, he says in the lawsuit that it is Stevie J uh, having sex with a man that, and he says that he got that image because Diddy sent it to him as a way to say, look, this is what we do, and you should be, join us in this. You know, this is what Stevie J does, it's what I do, and you should join us in this. That's how he describes this image. And it's in the lawsuit. Uh, we're not showing it to you, but what's interesting is that there are other places on the internet that it was published, that photo. And someone has come forward today and says that image is not Stevie J. The person says- It's a male porn star. Right, uh, who goes by the name Knockout, and he posted a much clearer photo of the same image, and says, you can tell in the clear image, because the one in the lawsuit is very blurry, and he says, this is me, it's Knockout, he says it is not Stevie J. That's right, so Knockout is retweeting and reposting people who are saying, this image has been circulating online for years, and for years it has been attempted to be pinned on Stevie J, when in reality it's Knockout, it's from a, a porno website, and he owns it. He's like, yeah, I'm a gay porn star, this is me. It's not Stevie J, makes no bones about it, uh, and he's he seems upset the, by the fact that he's been sort of roped into this lawsuit uh, somewhat salaciously. So Rodney Jones um, worked for Diddy, I believe as a videographer. Videographer, though he says he was hired as a producer. It sounds, the way he describes it in the lawsuit is, he was hired as, to be a producer on the, the Love album um, and ended up also doing videography that he would uh, have his phone out at all times recording videos and photos for, uh, for Diddy. And so a couple of weeks ago, before he filed this lawsuit, um, he clearly had beef with Diddy, but the beef he mentioned isn't about these sexual indiscretions. The beef has to do apparently with money. Um, and he actually started a GoFundMe. He put on his Instagram this video, um, and this is what he said again just a few weeks ago. I took a year off straight working on this album. That album is the Love album. 
off the grid by Diddy. The contract that they gave me and the offer that they gave me was just disgusting. The, 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 the producer fee, pennies. And on top of that, these guys are trying to steal my publishing. I can't go for that. So I'm fighting back. Taking Puff to court, suing him is not easy. I don't have the, the, the monies that it's going to take to fight him in court. So I'm just asking, you know, if you, if you're in support, please, the link is in my bio to my GoFundMe. So he posted that video. And by the way, after the Go Cassie filed her lawsuit. Right. And the Go, we should say, so the GoFundMe is, you know, he posted the GoFundMe. Uh, it was active. And then he posted, uh, just a, a couple of days later, he posted a second video um, and clearly at least wants people to think that he is in fear for his life. Until further notice, I would not be performing at any gigs or anything like that um, for security reasons. My family, friends, and everyone close to me just feels like there's a lot of potential threats and everybody's just telling me what he's allegedly capable of. And, you know, it's very scary um, for myself and, you know, has me worried about my kids and, you know, just sleeping with anxiety and different things like that. So just moving forward, um, just want to pause on everything until we know that it's, it's, it's clear and safe for me to come back outside of work. So he has filed this lawsuit. Now, Diddy's people gave us a statement, and they strongly deny what happened. They right. also point to one of the incidents that we should talk about first, an incident involving a gun that's in the lawsuit that they say does not align with the facts. Right. Uh, the incident he's referring to is a shooting that happened uh, in L.A., in Hollywood, outside of a, um, a recording studio where Diddy was working. Um, this happened in 2022. Now... According to Rodney, what he says in this lawsuit is that he witnessed uh, Diddy and his son Justin go into a room, uh, I believe it was a bathroom, with a third person. Right. There was an argument going on that he could hear, and then he heard a gunshot. When the door opened, he says that Diddy and Justin walked out, and he walked in and saw that there was a man laying on the ground who'd been shot in the leg. I think the stomach. Uh, yes. Uh, he said, you're right, it was the abdomen, and he says... Um, he went to go tend to that guy. Now, that shooting um, was reported. It was something that was reported here in L.A., except the way it was reported is that someone was shot outside of the studio, either a robbery or a drive-by, drive yeah. and that the victim then ran into the studio, and that's how they ended up in there. So a much different story from what Rodney is saying, but Rodney also says in the lawsuit that Diddy paid people off to say that's what happened. Right. So, so he says that D Diddy actually confronted Rodney right there on the spot and said, what your job when the cops ask is to say this was a drive-by and not tell him what actually happened in, in this bathroom. It's an ultimate, he said, he said, going back to the videos that Rodney has put up and the request for a GoFundMe money and the, the rest, it's a really bad fact for Rodney. It makes him look like he's out for money. That said, of course, Harvey's well, we Well, he know, is out for money. We know that. I mean, he's filed the $30 million lawsuit. But Jason's talking, but, about, yes, Jason's money, talking about motivation. But, right. but, you know, it's two things at play here, right? Definitely question his motivation when he puts something like that out. At the same time, it doesn't mean that everything he's saying isn't right. true, right. but the way that would track with a jury is very difficult right. for Rodney, I think. Hi, Letitia from Dallas. Hi, Harvey Charles. You know, I knew when this Diddy situation and Cassie came out that there was going to be more people 
coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, and challenging anything that he said, talking about his situation, be it true or not. So now if he does not settle, um, hopefully if he's innocent, it'll show in the documents or in the court proceedings or whatever. But if you keep settling, more and more people are going to keep coming out just to see if they can get money from you. I mean, look, that is true. Um, I, I just want to say one thing. Just as a lawyer, it is shocking to me that that the that lawyer didn't settle the Cassie case before she filed this lawsuit and put all these allegations out there because it is stunning. what we've seen, and again, I can't speak to the veracity of anything in these in the, that is alleged in these lawsuits, but a lot of them are leaning into the same facts that Cassie alleged, and that may be because they're making it up, or maybe that well, they saw the same things that Cassie says she but saw. But as, as, uh, as the person who just uh, yeah, Skyped in from right. Dallas, um, you knew this was going to happen, right? And as a lawyer, I'm just stunned because they paid Cassie the next day. Right. So if they're going to pay Cassie the next day, pay the why didn't they pay her the day before and not have a lawsuit filed, which then opens, opens the floodgates? Producers of the Wendy Williams documentary that, uh, that aired on Lifetime over the weekend are getting absolutely dragged for producing this, for putting it out there. And I think that's the reason that they uh, felt the need to come forward and, uh, I just know the way to describe it, but defend themselves uh, for producing this. Remember, in the documentary, you can clearly see her uh, suffering the effects of the aphasia and frontotemporal dementia. And it's very clear that she's going through this. Everyone noticed it when they watched it, and that's why I think people feel like- oh, she was exploited. That she was exploited. That's the word that a lot of people have been using online, and the producers uh, did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, and this was their defense. They said, we wanted people to understand the journey of the filmmakers and how upsetting it was for all of us in certain instances, and also how outrageous in some ways the situations were. But of course, if we had known that Wendy had dementia going into it, no one would have rolled a camera. So what I don't understand about this, I, I don't understand a lot about that. Um, number one, Charles and I have had many, many, many conversations with Wendy over the years. And we have also had many conversations among each other right. with ourselves, talking about our conversations with Wendy right. over a period of five, seven years where we knew something was seriously wrong with her. Right. And look, some of this played out on her show, but w it, whether they knew Although it was- we didn't know what was- We didn't something know Something seemed off, we certainly. Didn't, right. Something seemed Very significantly off. Right. off. And whether they didn't know the diagnosis or not, what I'm wondering is, okay, say they didn't know that she had dementia. When they, they started. When they started. They knew she was an alcoholic because they played they that, that almost like a script. Let, just watch this. I mean, you'll see the camera there where they, it, it's almost performative, right. where the manager comes up and says, well, did you drink this? No, I didn't. I'm Pulls it out from behind the and camera. You see the camera right there. So basically this woman who is completely out of it is on display there. See the camera? And so but, whether it's alcohol or dementia, well, the, the, the alcohol, I could say, all right, you want to show what she's going through, and presumably, at least, well, well, the way it's presented, does she is, she's show, okay does with she it. Does she want to show what's going? What she, well, does that, she this know is the what, whole debate about yeah. her being listed as an executive producer, because that makes you feel like she does want to. But when you watch the documentary and you see what she's going through with the dementia, then you go like, does she actually 
know what's going into well, this? And, and, Can and, she know? And, and here's the thing. What was she diagnosed last year with this? Right. Well, that was a year before this aired. And I get so their then it point. aired. I get their point about when they started recording this, because this was years ago Which when I started get. recording all right, this. Right, right, right. That they wouldn't have known. But certainly last year, once she was diagnosed, you would think they, they would have known about it at that point. And there were moments in the documentary as they're rolling where the people on camera are talking about, they're not using the word dementia. This was an interaction where her driver is driving Wendy around and even he says, it seems like she's losing it. Here's the Wendy Williams show right here on your left. Look, look Wendy, over here. That's the Wendy Williams show. Okay, stay right, stay right. This is the same, yeah, this is the one we were just at. Oh my God. Okay, driver, uh -huh. I said, Go past the Wendy Williams show. We did that. We just did that. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> I'm not going to this place. It's, we're not here. It's right here. The Where? smoke shop right there. Same one. It's, we Wait, just passed it. Same one. Same one. Oh, okay. Are you worried about Wendy? Uh, this stage of her life, yeah. I think she's losing memory. Have you guys noticed that? Mm. Like, she just blanks out. Like, you'll talk to her, she'll blank out. Sometimes she doesn't even realize who I am. I picked her up many times and she's like, hey, who are you again? Dealing with something like that is very hard. So I finished watching this doc last night and when I saw this scene, this is what made me kind of raise an eyebrow to what the producers were saying because in the scene, they, there's a cameraman in the back of the car and he actually you know, says, we're not gonna keep going, we're gonna stop filming for today, this is just too much because Wendy's behavior was so erratic and if they did not know that she had dementia, they for sure knew that she had something going on. She made this driver go around the corner three times because she couldn't remember that he had already did right. that the previous times. And the so, There's a reason why the producer asked the driver that question, are you worried about... The reason they asked that is because they'd just seen what had played out. And not, so, only, and not only in this scene, there's many other scenes in the documentary where they know something is up. There's a scene where they can't wake her up. They say she's belligerently drunk. They've been trying to get an interview with her for three days, but they can't do it because she's incompetent to do so. They have to call in extra forces, whether that be the manager yeah. or the publicist. But they knew that health-wise, Wendy was not okay. And so even at, at some point in time, there should have been a meeting where they said, you know what, she's not in any way, shape, or form to be doing a documentary. We don't even want to be involved with this because she's not right. Something's not right here. Hi, I'm Lindsay, and I'm in Indianapolis. Even if Mark Ford didn't know while they were filming, he knew before the documentary aired, and he still went to court to make sure that it aired on time, knowing the condition that Wendy was in in that documentary. And even if it was just alcohol, like they say they thought it was, no one in active addiction can give their informed consent to do something as public and as long lasting as this documentary. See, I agree with you, but on top of that, and then you name her an executive producer, it almost feels like cover the part. because she yeah. can't produce. I mean, she can barely right. function. Right. So I don't know. We're gonna move on. Yes, uh, to uh, Kim and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, uh, firstborn who is now traveling internationally solo. Uh, uh, excuse me, well, uh, by private. Uh, well, well, duh, that, <laughs> that part goes without saying. Uh, Northwest touched down in LA yesterday after she was uh, over in Europe with her father for a Vultures um, event, uh, performance, and uh, she is, look, she's, she's growing up. She can now find, she's not only by herself. There is a nanny still with her, there's a bodyguard. Um, but she got back here, presumably to get to school. Um, 
you know, even though she's performing yeah. around the world, at some point she does have to go back to school. The, the, the school point, I think, is a good one and one that a lot of people in the newsroom were talking about this morning. When is she at school? Because it seems like she's always flying across the world to go visit her dad, whether it be in Italy or this time in Paris. When is she going to be sitting down in the classroom with the other fifth graders and learning about uh, multiplication <laughs> or whatever fifth graders learn about these days? Jacob, you were a child actor. What does yeah. she want more? School or performing? She definitely wants the performing part, but let's face it, school is a big part of everyone's development. It's a part that means a lot to kids being yeah. around other kids. As a kids. kid, you want it more just to be around your friends. You don't realize, you don't want it necessarily for the knowledge. You just want to be around your friends. Or you want to be around the your friends. You want to be around, with you want to be around your friends so you can say, by the way, did you hear my latest album? <laughs> it is nice to be able to say that too. Hello, my name is Jalen Fennell, speaking from Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, after Northwest showed up and showed out on that stage, it was only right for her to go on that private jet and kick her feet up and go back home. I mean, look at her parents. Are we really surprised? <laughs> and I hope she's really getting her education, but I'm pretty sure she is. She got to. She has to. <laughs> yeah, I would think Kim's not going to let her just skate on schooling. I have a feeling that yes, there, Kanye there are, wants her to perform. There are challenges stage. here. A lot of concerns about what AI is capable of, uh, especially since people like Taylor Swift uh, just a few weeks ago and uh, Bobby Altoff last week. President Biden's robocall. Have been, uh, have fallen victim to um, the capabilities of AI and videos and audio that's been put out there, um, making it seem like they are involved. So uh, one of the people who has been watching AI develop here, watching it very closely, talking to people involved, course, is uh, Kara Swisher, who has spoken to all of the gr huge names in tech over, uh, what, how many decades, <laughs> decades now. Uh, and she is, um, she's gathered some of her concerns in a new book. It's called Burn Book, A Tech Love Story, an interesting title. It's kind of a memoir, and also there are cautionary tales in it. Indeed. There's nobody, honestly, in, in the world of AI, social media, tech, there's nobody like Kara Swisher. Nobody. And that's why we are thrilled to say she's joining us right now uh, to talk about those concerns. Carol, welcome back to TMZ Live. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoy TMZ Live. Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate Happy to have it. you here. Kara, I, I want to ask you something because, I, you know, and I told you this off camera, and I've mentioned mm -hmm. this to our audience, that we have just finished a documentary on AI that is, I think, kind of mind-blowing. Um, mm -hmm. And everybody talks about regulations. And I want to hear about that from you. But personally, I don't understand how you get a genie back in the bottle, you know, once it's out and once the world has it. Even if we do something, there's a world out there that may, right. not, that, that may not fall in line. Yeah, this is, a, this is stuff, tools that are widely available and cheap, right? Uh, AI, in this case, the stuff that you're using, the, the Genervais, is quite expensive. And that's one of the the gating mechanisms here right now. The reason why big tech companies are dominating is because it's expensive. This compute is really high. These chips are in short demand. Um, it's why NVIDIA suddenly became a multi-trillion dollar company, which makes these some of these chips. Um, and so, you know, Genie back in the bottle. Genies actually do go back in the bottle. This doesn't, right? Or, or, or something mm -hmm. like that. And one of the things I like for people to think about is, look, Propaganda has been around forever. You know, the Canuck letter, Donald Segretti. There's always been dirty tricks, say in politics or anywhere else, or fakes. 
Um, it, it, they've happened forever. Just what's happened here is the tools are ever cheaper, ever more ubiquitous, and ever more powerful. And that's the danger here because they can target instead of, you know, targeting people on a TV show or a billboard or whatever it happens to be or a fake. This goes out to a million different people with a million different messages, right? So you can really target people and you have all this data on what people like and don't like. And AI can can mash it up very quickly and very specifically. Um, the other thing is that it does is it improves very, very quickly. And you're talking about, say, Hollywood celebrities, the Will Smith pasta eating video. Uh, are you aware of that? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's an AI video where last year it looked really freaky, right? You're like, oh, this is terrible. Uh, this year it looks pretty good. And this stuff improves at a quantum level of speed and accuracy. And that's, I think, the bigger problem is the ability to manipulate people is now at hyperspeed. So the fact that AI can, as you say, manipulate people, and it is, I mean, I've seen videos that are absolutely indiscernible from something, if I was yeah. standing outside watching it with my own eyes, mm -hmm. what do you do if, even if, and I do believe that at some point there are going to be regulations put on Maybe. by our government, mm -hmm. but because of the internet, that really doesn't matter. I mean, there are no borders well, for this at this point. No, because the internet's never been regulated. That's the that's your that's the lie here. Like they have never in in any substantive way done anything around privacy, algorithmic transparency, antitrust, uh, data transparency, data hack anti-hacking uh, laws and things like that, where they have to tell you disclose. They haven't done anything. Congress hasn't done anything. I'm uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't love regulations, but more than zero? Yeah, I'd like one or two. And the, the, the thing I've been comparing to lately this week is, you know, when that door blew off the Alaska Airlines thing, how many planes were grounded? 750, I think. Tons of investigations. People got fired. When things happen on the internet, nobody goes to jail. Nobody, <laughs> nobody gets fined. Uh, they get richer. When I was a kid, and you had three television networks, um, they could be regulated by the FCC because were. there were because there were borders, there were confines. Mm -hmm. And with mm -hmm. the internet, even if Congress passes the laws you're talking about and more, um, how does that work when you have China and Russia, Russia. and everybody and else country, in the world? Right. It's a global it's a global network. Yes, I get that. But then but how and any. then how how on earth how on earth does do those UN regulations like, yeah. in, in, in Because in, guess where the companies are? Guess where they are, all of them. In the United States of America, look, we can't do anything about China and what they're doing. There's, we've never been able. We can't regulate their, we, although we have come to global uh, agreements on nuclear issues, right? Nuclear weapons proliferation. We've done it on cloning. We can do it. That It's such a canard that we can't do anything about it. I mean, this is the U.S. government. They can't do anything about it. They can do a lot of stuff. They haven't done anything. The key quote in this book is from Paul Virilio, where I say, when you invent the ship, you invent the shipwreck. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. we need ships <laughs> and you're not going to stop ship. You know, you're not going to stop shipwrecks. You never will stop shipwrecks. But guess what? A lighthouse tends to work. And then instead of 100, you have one shipwreck. And so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm not want to, I don't want to stop the, the technology. I want to mitigate it. And it's the same thing with EVs or AI or any or social media. It's not to stop it. It's to say, Girls have their self-esteem is going down. Young men, depression levels are, are are spiking. It is because of these technologies, and they should pay the price for it when they abuse it. That's all. I got to ask you something. I, I have sure. known you since two thousand five when have. we started TMZ, 
And yeah. honestly, it is. I been, love TMZ. And, you know that. And, and and it has been a joy. You are one of the smartest people Thank I've you. ever met, and I mean that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Now it's 18 years plus later, and you look 30, at but okay. And you Thank look you. at you look at what's gone on, like with social <laughs> media, with kids who don't communicate anymore, and that it's affecting mm -hmm. relationships and all. On balance, yeah. have the last 18 years been a good thing or a bad thing? for society? Hmm. I don't know. It's a thing, right? All these transitions, would you say cars were good or bad? Probably bad right now, given, you know, but they were good for a while. I think technologies are, technology can either be used as a tool or a weapon. I know that seems like a kind of both sidesism, but it's how we use them and how we regulate them. They can be, this could be, the AI stuff, Harvey, could be a boon for, I really believe that, cancer research, healthcare, Multiplanetary species. We're gonna. Get, we should, we have to. We have to. These can do great things. Climate change tech. Why are they only doing bad things? Let's stop. Let's mitigate the bad things and focus on investing in the good things. And so, on the whole, no. But it doesn't have to. I use the term. You can either be a Star Trek person or a Star Wars person. We've been living in a Star Wars world where the evil prevails. We can live in a Star Trek world, too. And that's something Steve Jobs said to me. All right. The uh, book, Burn Book, a tech love story. It is out now. And um, Kara, thank you so much for being with us. It is All right. your perspective you on LA. this technology is By the way, invaluable. I'm going on vacation next week. That's the book I'm reading. I'm serious. <laughs> okay. The, you, It'll take you 20 hours total, I'm thinking. That's perfect for me. Kara, <laughs> yeah. yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Great seeing you. Honestly, she is yeah. the best at what she does. Okay, we are taking a break. All right, when we come back, uh, Taylor Swift has another problem besides AI. Her father is now in the middle of an investigation in Australia over an alleged altercation with a paparazzo. You're gonna see the video, a new angle of it that we just got, and you can decide for yourself, was this justified? Did anything really happen? Welcome back to TMZ Live. Taylor Swift's world tour continues. I believe she's touched down in Singapore. Singapore today, but there's some fallout from the Australian dates of her world, world tour. Uh, and there is now an investigation involving an alleged altercation between her father and a photographer who was waiting to get uh, shots of Taylor as she got off a yacht uh, pretty late. 3 a.m. Uh, 3 a.m. she was getting off a yacht. Her father is with her. So we're going to roll the video here, but what the photographer is alleging is that uh, Scott Swift charged at him and struck him uh, as he was trying to clear the way for Taylor to get into the car. The other thing you're going to see here is that Taylor, you're not going to see her face, she's the person hiding underneath an umbrella. Go ahead and step away from the vehicle. Sure, no worries. Thank you. Can stand your yeah, don't, don't block us and we'll stop coming near you. Come on. So, the only thing that I think is, is clear from the video. Yes, there is someone who got physical in some way with the one of the photographers, but that appears to be the bodyguard from what we can see in the video. You do see Scott charge past Taylor as she's getting in into the car, and Scott does 
go past her toward the photographer. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, it doesn't look like anybody got hurt no, there. No, and by the way, they said no one yeah. required treatment or anything. What, Nobody called for... What I find interesting is it, it is kind of um, odd that, um, number one, she's got that umbrella, the, you know, walking along uh, right. the street there with her dad. It seems like... He was especially concerned nobody wanted, nobody could see her right there. Right. Didn't and, want anyone to right, see her. She clearly didn't want her photograph to be taken. That's why she has the umbrella out. Um, but also, you guys, Taylor's team told us that this, this paparazzi was getting aggressive, that he actually had threatened to throw a woman into the water, um, that he was kind of getting handsy with the bodyguard. So, you know, you don't see that in these videos, no. but... You know, this will all play out eventually because police are investigating. Because nobody was harmed here, I don't see that. I don't I, see and I know the police have to investigate because it was reported by the photographer, but... I, oh, no, I think they have to investigate because it's Taylor and Swift. because it's Taylor Swift. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't investigate it. Yeah, I highly doubt anything. Yeah. Although, and I don't know how Australian law works, but maybe the guy is setting up to file a lawsuit. Yeah, I, but the, I mean... Could, it could it, be that, but this, again, there's no... Yeah, there was no injury. It was a... Dust up. But I, you're right. It is weird. When I saw the video, I was like, yeah. It just, we haven't seen a lot of that from Taylor since the Travis Kelsey era. Like, when she's out, she's, she's out. out. And she's and this is fine with people taking photos. How many, you know, pages of photos do we have from her in New York City? Out her dad does not want her seen. Right. And you can feel that. Which from is this a video. Different thing from whether or not there's an altercation, but it is just interesting. Right. Hi, I'm Frankie from the Keys. I'm sorry that I'm dog. Did you just throw a bone at the dog? <laughs> Throwing a dog a bone. Give the dog a bone. Hopefully it'll be quiet. <laughs> oh my lord. So, you know, I don't I don't blame her dad for jumping in there. They didn't know what that person was gonna do. There's no injuries, possibly. If this goes on, maybe the guy wants a little bit of cash, 15 minutes of fame, I don't know. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I think you made it worse by giving treats to the dog, because yeah. now he just wants more treats. Yeah, the dog's just, you, you've just, I don't know if you've read about Pavlov, but you, Pavlov just did it. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of dogs, we have yes. a sad story, and uh, to, it, it's just heartbreaking. And it is, um, I think, exceptional that Jon Stewart chose to share this with his audience uh, on The Daily Show last night, um, he described a, a few years ago, I think he said it was like 12 years ago, yes. when he and his family went down to do, to volunteer uh, at a shelter in he's, New he, York. He's a big rescue person. Right. And uh, they met a, um, a pit bull there who had been hit by a car and lost uh, a leg. But they, while they're down there doing this, they teamed up John, John with this pit bull. Well, he ended up leaving with a dog, and last night he had some really sad news to share about Dipper. They brought out this one-ish year old Brindle Pitbull, uh, who, uh, <laughs> hit, hit by a car in Brooklyn and lost his right leg. We called him Dipper, and, uh, in a world of good boys, he was the best. Dipper passed away yesterday. Aww. He was ready. He was tired. But I wasn't. So, listen, I don't want to be 
too mean about this, but I got to say, after watching it and hearing the discussion this morning uh, in our morning meeting, this is not the wrong place, wrong time for this. I get it. He's sad. It's it's an emotional moment, etc. It's not appropriate for TV. No, no, no. I, and I hear what you're saying, but isn't he allowed a, a moment? I mean, it's his show. Isn't he allowed a moment where he wants to share a personal I mean, I, experience? I, 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 like, to answer your question, yes, he technically is allowed because he's an EP and can do whatever the hell he wants. So I guess yes, he is. But like by audience standards, no. At least in my opinion, yeah. no. It's it's not it's not appropriate. It's I, not the time or place to talk about that. I get word, it. Your dog died and you're sad, but. Wrong place, wrong time. I salute Jon Stewart for doing it. It shows he's a human being. Which we he don't is, see. Which he often I enough. am so sick of these mechanical anchors on television. And I applaud John for that. I applaud John for talking about how he adopted a dog, how it affects him. I also him. think he wanted to talk about the, I love the rescue he agency, that he Absolutely. wanted to talk about the shelter. I love that it's he did. It's a no-kill shelter. And guess what John Stewart just did last night? John Stewart saved a bunch of dogs because people, people are going to go to that, that shelter so in New York. Good. So you're we need more, uh, more waterworks here at TMZ is what you're saying. More, more tears, more emotion. By the way, when it's genuine, here, by the way, what, what did we do three weeks ago with the Super Bowl when we had uh, rescue puppies on? Good on us, good on him. Hi, this is Diana from Los Angeles. First and foremost, John Stewart, thank you so much for your services. And also, I am so grateful that you actually took the time to share what you're going through right now. That's sweet. Over the years, Russell Wilson and Sierra and Future have had a turbulent relationship. It's been quiet for a while. That we know of. <laughs> yes, that we know of. But it was all centered around the fact that, you know, Russell Wilson is now, most of the time, raising Future Junior. And, and he has pictures to prove it. Right. Pictures, videos, doing lots of stuff with him. Which, um, which back in the day, really upset Future. Right. And hopefully that's all, you know, they've all worked that out. But... This interview that Russell Wilson just did for the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall um, might, might stir things up again. Uh, here's how he describes the moment he realized this. He says that he was going to be, have to be the person who raises Future Junior. When I walked in the room and I saw, you know, little Future, he's nine months at the time or whatever, and he crawls in my lap and it was like, you know, this is going to be my responsibility. God, I remember, I remember leaving that night and God saying, this is... This God's, God said, saying to me, raising this child, it's, it's going to be your responsibility. Mm. And realizing, I pray to God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? I say, son, this is for you. The first night? Yeah, the first night. Mm -hmm. Understanding that, okay, God, you're going you're gonna to give me this opportunity. What a gift. Even Jesus himself, like Joseph was, Joseph was, a, was a stepdad. I was like, okay, he, it wasn't biologically his. Mm. So I'm like, okay, God, you're going you're gonna to have me this, give me this opportunity to love the way that you were loved. Look, I, I never understood this, the criticism that Russell Wilson has gotten for this. He knew, like he said, he, he knew Baby Future since he was nine months old. And now Baby Future is nine years old. And the fact that Future, Big Future, or anybody else, that, that their feelings were hurt over the fact that Russell wanted to take care of this child, it just, I never understood it. Obviously now Sierra and Russell Wilson have three children together. I think this is a beautiful yeah. thing. He's a religious guy, that's nothing new, we know that. He's in a tough spot in that, look, I, I totally get it. Obviously he's gonna feel responsible for the child um, and that he is going to have to raise you, the child. You kind of walk future, a tight Wouldn't you want you your kid treat... with a guy, with a, with a, yeah. uh, a man taking of care course. of your son? Uh, uh, and you don't want, you can't treat 
future Junior as his stepson differently from the other right. kids at all. So, you know, he's in a tough spot in that I understand what he has to do. It's when he talks publicly about it that some people, future or future's supporters, feel like this is out of pocket. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 Like I, you said, Mike, I don't get it. I, I, I think what he did is just, what he's doing is just really admirable. And I agree with you. It's like, when you, you know, I don't know what Future's involvement is with Future Junior. I don't yeah. know how much time he spends. I think that makes a difference. Yeah, I really think that makes a difference. I don't know, and I don't know that I don't know what it is. Hey guys, it's Coco Louie coming to you live from Washington D.C. Chiming in on the Russell Wilson situation. Honestly, what is the problem here? Because he's showing, you know, little future, future junior love and affection. He loves his mom, and he's not doing wrong by him. So I feel like any parent, if you're no longer with the other parent, you should want your health, your child to be in a healthy environment with someone giving them love and affection. What is the problem? He didn't say anything wrong. I think we all agree with you. One of Donna Summer's most endearing songs isn't even really a disco song. It was her first song. Was it her first song? It was her first song. I Feel Love. Oh, um, an absolutely best groundbreaking song. I think you're it, wrong about the first no, song. No, I but, think it was her first song, dude. Uh, it's like an electronic Somebody look that up when we're doing this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, an electronic, electronica masterpiece. Well, Kanye wanted to use the song on his Vultures album. It's for a song called Good Don't Die, and Donna Summer's estate turned him down. And yet, when the album was released- It was there. A couple of weeks ago, the song was still on there with the Donna Summer sample, so uh, they have now filed a lawsuit uh, against Kanye uh, and also about uh, against Ty Dolla Sign, who was also on the song. Well, well, here's what's really interesting about this lawsuit is they tried to clear the sample. They went to Donna's estate and said, hey, can we use this song? They flatly denied them. And so what the lawsuit claims is that they then made basically a sound-alike, an interpolation of the song that was close enough to pass. And Donna Summers' estate is saying, this sounds way too similar. It may even be parts of the original. And that's not allowed either. We're protecting our copyright here. And you can't just like create a new version and sample it once we've turned you down. Well, and you know, what's really, also, you know what's really interesting about that is there's kind of a connection to AI there, that if somebody created an AI version that does sound like that, um, which I guess is kind of the point here, right? But I, I completely agree. It's a harbinger of lawsuits yes, that you're going to see down exactly, the road with exactly. AI trying to copy doesn't things. This cut, I, I think this looks bad for Kanye in that if you go to look at the Vultures album now on streaming services, Go, the song isn't there. They've pulled it off the album. The fact that they've removed it seems like well, they asked we permission did and they were refused, and then they put it on and then they took it off. Yeah. So it You're seems right. like they're going to end up paying something yeah. to Donna Summer's estate, and maybe he just views it as the price of doing business. I'm Stav from Israel, and I say good for uh, Donna Summer resting power in her estate for this lawsuit, because no artist should collaborate with Kanye of his anti-Semitic remarks and general terrible behavior. And I hope to get tons of money from this lawsuit and I hope that nobody will collaborate with Kanye in the future. Well, he's getting a lot of collabs, that's for sure. He still is. Yes, um, he is. I believe I'm right on this, that it was the first song. I'm gonna have to use AI when we go to break. No, I, I, well, I'm, yeah. I, no, 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 young, I'm young not. Harvey believes it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin Bacon is fully on board with Beyonce's jump into country music. Texas Hold'em is not only a big hit around the country. It's a great song. It is a big hit on the Bacon's farm. This ain't Texas. Hey! 
They have Honestly, fun together. Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick they are so awesome fun. on social media. <laughs> they have a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, that's great. So we got to settle something. I don't know why we didn't just go right to Eric <gasps> I know, for I the answer on this. Okay. Um, but the answer is Harvey is wrong. Well, her first hit was... I yeah. Feel Love. No. No, I Love to Love You, Baby. Her first hit was... Love to Love You Baby, not I Feel Love. But I Feel Love was her first big hit. I Your... Love to Love You Baby was also a big hit. Uh, excuse me, you're talking to Disco Harvey here, I can tell you. I remember uh, back in the day. By the way, Eric, <laughs> by the way, Eric and I have a new podcast. Oh, it's true. It's out. really good, by the get way. Get to the Hook, where you get all of Eric's incredible music knowledge. No, it's great. It's yes. really, really good. Check it out. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow.